good evening. It's like one of those nights we're preferring each other. I don't know. Um, I don't know if somebody said this recently, <clears throat> but. Uh, We all, I, I, I think we all understand this. And, and I was thinking about relating to God and the, uh, the strangeness of uh, telling God about yourself or talking about the problems that exist or listing needs. Uh, I thought... I mean, I'm not giving God any information. And I thought, how funny it must be to listen to me. Um, <clears throat> say what I do in my prayers or in my communication. Uh, because God knows us. He knows us from the beginning. He knows we're but dust. He knows our, our flailings and our frailty. He knows all that. And I thought, what a uh, strange circumstance we find ourselves in to relate to God, to tell God about what I need or what I don't need or uh, what I'd like to see happen. And, um, you know, I think uh, the reason you can do that and the reason I can do that is because God... Uh, decided I mean that sounds funny but <clears throat> God has an eternal plan and purpose that is predicated upon man and so he says that by man sin came into the world and then also by man also uh, righteousness so his whole plan and purpose is tied up with man one person agreed with that, which I appreciate. No, one is okay. Um, but I wonder if we consider the magnitude of God's plan that it's really, it's so much bigger than any one of us, but he has got a desire in his heart to include us in it. And actually... Um, <clears throat> Every one of us is being processed on one level or another as a part of this plan um, of duplicating who he is, um, his very nature, this new creation that, you know, Peter says to Jesus at one point, he said, what, you know, we've left everything to follow you. And what are we going to get? And I mean, how many of, we're a lot like that. I mean, uh, you know, what, what are we going to get? And Jesus said, all of you that uh, follow me in the regeneration. And I thought, now that is really an important thing to understand. That what we're following after is this, is regeneration. Is a whole new creation, Right that's been birthed in you and in me, that is the, the totality of God's purpose 
is in man, but it's in a new man, which is Christ. And we all know that, but that's been, that was the beginning of our journey when we were born again. And Jesus also took a journey. Uh, he started out born again uh, because um, Mary, it says, when Gabriel came, you know, that blessed are you among women, highly favored, you know. I greeted somebody one time and I said, how are you? And they said, blessed and highly favored. I said, oh, okay. Uh, now, I'm not recommending that. You can say it if you want to. But that was the greeting that Mary got from Gabriel, right? And, and she was contemplating what manner of salutation is this? And, uh, but really, truly, you and I are highly favored. I mean, I don't mean minorly favored. I mean highly favored. That was the word to Mary. Why was she highly favored? Because there was a, a, another creation that was actually going to come forth out of her that she had no particular capacity to bring forth. And in the same way, you know, tonight I would like to tell you about hope. Sometime, maybe I'll say it. But you and I have been chosen with a heavenly calling. You've been invited by, because of God's eternal purpose, that he has decided to do this in man, to glorify himself in man. And, and I wonder if we realize how highly favored we are because of that. And actually the, the processing of that. And uh, that all of us are in. Jesus went through the process too, right? He had 30 years of, of um, what do we call that? Uh, I forget. There's a word. Mm. Yes, obscurity though is the word I was looking for. But yes, it was training. Because it says all, you know, it says, you see him at 12, you know, this, you know, the birth, you start at see him at 12. And then you get to the end of the chapter, it says he grew in wisdom and favor and stature. Man, the next time you, you see him, it says when he was about to, about 30 years old, right? Um, that, that's when some, he, his ministry came and, you know, was made public. Jesus went through a processing so it, it, it talks about that in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. And maybe I'll read that verse. I just have to say that we don't recognize being highly favored if we are earthbound or if we are living being sourced out of our own life. You can't recognize that you are highly favored when that is the source by which we're living. Um, 
I just wanted to throw that in before I read this. It says in Hebrews 2, and this is, you know, this is a, a picture here of, of what it is, the, kind of the subtext, highly favored. But unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that you are mindful or that you take notice of him or that you're focused on him or that you give attention to him and the son of man that you visit him or that you uh, come and, and, um, and touch him and move upon him. Uh, actually uh, visit, have a visitation. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You did set him over the works of your hands. You put all things in subjection under his feet. Uh, let me go to nine. It says, but we, well, it says, but we, but now we don't see yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering and honor that by the grace of God should taste death for every man for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through sufferings. Jesus was made complete on this earth. While he walked on this earth, the, the process that Jesus was in, he was made complete. And you, your completion is also ahead. My completion is ahead. Our completion is in Christ. You see, what actually is going on with every single one of us is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. I travail again uh, in... In, in birth until Christ be formed in you, right? Ephesians chapter 4. It says he gave gifts to many. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, which is a ministry of Christ. You know, that was a big deal. I know we don't talk about that like, you know, in, like you did in the early days. But the fivefold ministry, that was a big, you know, pivotal message that was restored at some time during the church. That there was... God was restoring his ministries to the church. Um, the fivefold ministry. He gave gifts to men. And, and that's not gone away. Now there has been a transition in all of our hearts. And, and specifically here I suppose. Uh, I think we've experienced it. Where we understand that there must be a personal accountability. In our relationship in the spirit to the Lord. Um, we understand that that is not an outside uh, thing that happens. It's an inside thing. It's something that you and God must work out um, on a regular basis, on a daily basis. But, but also, I don't think you want to throw away what God gives in the body of Christ. I don't think you want to toss it. I, I think, you know, there's a tendency and, um, for all of us to find answers to stuff and, and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with uh, what it says. And is it the end of James where it says, if, if, you're, if you're sick, call upon the elders and let them pray. I don't think there's anything wrong with those things. We also understand that God isn't going to heal everything. But that prayer isn't just for uh, physical healing. That the prayer of the saints, which is so important. Um, it's perhaps one of the, the main places that we can care for one another by, by holding one another up and saying, Lord, 
You know, I, I've been thinking about that song, uh, Almighty Christ, come forth. <laughs> you know, I think that's a decent prayer. I think that would be a decent prayer for everybody in this room. Lord, bring them forth. Not bring uh, Dave Brooks forth, though I love Dave Brooks. Bring forth Christ in Dave. Grow up Christ. Bring forth an Alan uh, in Reb. And bring them forth, Lord. Bring forth Christ. That's your intention. That's the very intention of God. That he's gathering together all things in Christ. Regeneration. Recreation. Whole new man. His whole plan and purpose tied up in that man. In, um, so Jesus went through this, these 30 years of obscurity, but he came into a completion where that, uh, that was a mature Christ that came up out of that grave. And um, I think it behooves us to understand what the nature of Christ is all about. The nature of Christ is absolutely, unequivocally dependent. And we have some ideas about the victorious life in Christ. And it is a victorious life. It's not a victorious outward fixing of the environment. It's an inward fellowship. <laughs> And access to a source of life that enables us to walk through every environment. As a matter of fact, the love of God has no meaning in, in reality if it doesn't function when you are being when you are suffering. I just I'm gonna make a confession to you all. There are things that bug me. I don't know if you want to write that. I don't, I, you probably didn't know that about me. My son had a revelation when he was little. He said, Dad, something bugs me. I said, what? He said, bugs bug me. I have bugs that bug me. And if I listed them for you, you say, oh, just get over it. Because they might seem very small and silly. Many times big things don't bother me. It's just some little things that someone says. A phrase, the way they say it, a tone, an imagined tone. Um, I just have to tell you, though, the victorious life is when you look in the face of difficulty for you and it's personal because Jesus was perfect was made perfect it says through suffering and it wasn't just an outward suffering he did some of that right and and we you know I know we have some imaginations over what this history has shown us about what Christians went through and I'm not belittling that but um there is an inward suffering that is altogether significant for every single one of us. And the inward suffering is not living your life sourced out of your own natural life. That's the suffering. That 
never taking that <laughs> source as a source of life. That means you don't derive your reactions, the thoughts you have, the words that come out of our mouths, we don't derive that from our human soul. And the soul is a variety of, and, and, you know, and because we are not talking about uh, bettering our, that, we're talking about a whole new, it's regeneration, a whole new creation that is not sourced in natural. It's sourced in spiritual. It's sourced, and that is the picture of what Christ is, dependent upon the life of the Father for his existence. You and I must get into that condition. So when we think victorious life, yes, it is. We always triumph in Christ. Yes, we do. But it's not evidential uh, in an external fashion where we always have it actually is coming to the place where you face that, man, I need Christ to grow in me. <laughs> That's victorious. Where you are saying, God, I need this Christ to come forth. Um, Lord, I want to travail like Paul until Christ be formed in me. Lord, until we come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Every one of you is uh, born into Christ. And perhaps have even seen indications of that along the way, right? Haven't you recognized Christ? Yes, of course you have. But the thing we have not seen is the fullness of Christ. And that's where God is taking us. And that's where he took his son, Jesus. We see Jesus. What happened with Jesus? He learned he, he, he was completed and perfected in this new man uh, through suffering. And, and, and that suffering is, is just whatever occurs, whatever occurs. Um, I don't try to source my, my, myself out of it. So then it goes on, uh, make them perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and those that are sanctified are all of one. Of one what? Of one source. Um, let's see. I don't know if I want to keep going here. But maybe chapter 3. Um, now it says here, Moses was verily faithful in all his house. That's verse 5. As a servant for a testimony of those things which are to, be, to come afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Uh, that's what we are in. There is a problem with this. Um, this is a wonderful recommendation that you and I would hold fast the confidence and the hope firm unto the end. And the confidence that we hold fast as you say, Lord, uh, my confidence is in you. I'm having trouble, but my confidence is in you, Lord. My hope, Lord, is in you. It's not in... There's a problem with hope. The big problem with hope 
is in Romans 8. Hope that is seen isn't hope. Hope is unseen. It's unseen. It's not, you don't have in your grasp, um, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we have not come to the fullness of a mature, the mature son, Christ. You've not come up to that point so that there are still things that you see and, you, and people get up here in devotions. And, and I, one thing I've been struck with recently, several people have gotten up and I can't remember all the things, a lot of things were said, but there was a thread that has gone through where, where there's an understanding and it may still be in uh, a lot of our heads perhaps, and, um, but there's an understanding that um, I am in need to go where God has called me to go. I have not arrived and I still see things that are so contrary to that. But the need I have is to go to where God has called me with this heavenly calling that he's called me to be a participator in. That is where there's a thread weaving through, I believe, this place where that is people have awakened to the fact that, man, I have things in my heart that I have not gotten hold of. And I need to get hold of those places to find Christ, the infiltration of Christ fully. Um, and that's my hope, right? But my hope is not based even on what I look for in, as my progress. My hope is based upon God determining aforetime that his eternal plan and purpose was in men. That's my hope. The promise is he's the one that called us out. He's the one that birthed Christ, this new creation in us. He's the one that, that said, come up, come up, come up. He's the one that, that keeps working, you know, and you read through in, in Romans, I'll, I'll turn where it says uh, hope is unseen. It's in an unseen uh, realm. You don't always have visible evidence the way you would like. You want to see. Uh, it it talked. That's the, in, in 24 and 25. We're saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. But if we hope for that which we see not, then we with patience. The Spirit helps our infirmities. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us. It says, um, we know all things work together for good. Very famous. But it goes on, and, and Paul has this great list. He says, what do we say to all this? If God be for us, who can be against us? And then it says, he that spared not his own son. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I don't want to read all this. Who, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perilous word. All day long we are killed as, uh, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, we, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that none of these things can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I think 
everyone always wants to ask the question, and it becomes a topic for debate, can I be separated from God? And I wonder why that always has to be the question. Because I think, is that your intention? If it is your intention to separate yourself from God, then go ahead and try that. If that is your intention, and that's why you're asking the question. But as far as God is concerned, He's committed to His purpose in man. And I, I don't know, you can read the, the story of the prodigal son. He seemed to separate himself from fellowship. Right? Uh, let me read you a good scripture in Deuteronomy 30. I, I don't... Uh, I don't believe I have the full interpretation of this. It caught my attention because Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 4, is I think the one I'm going to read. Um, it says and um, <clears throat> all these difficulties blessings and curse come to pass which I said before you um, verse 2 it says and thou shalt return unto the Lord and obey his voice according to all I command thee this day thou and thy children all thine heart and all thy soul that then the Lord thy God will turn your captivity and have compassion on thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God has scattered thee but this is the verse I thought was, was so great. It says, If any of thine be driven out into the utter, outmost parts of heaven. Have you ever read that? The outmost parts of heaven. That would be, I guess, like the moon. I mean, I don't know what, what the writer's referring to, right? It's a long ways away. I, I guess maybe that, I mean, that much I got, okay? I'm going to give you the deepest spiritual interpretation I can give it. He doesn't say the outmost parts of the earth. He says the outmost parts of heaven. I, that must be pretty far, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like it. Thank you. It says from thence. Will the Lord thy God gather thee? And from thence will he fetch thee. Don't you like that, that Hebrew word? He will fetch thee. Right? That's what they say to dogs, I think, about a stick. I mean, I've never said it, but I've heard people say that. He will fetch thee from where you find yourself. Now, I'm not recommending that. But I've gotten further away than I... Have you been fetched? Bill has been fetched. Actually, I, I think everybody in the room has been fetched. And sometimes we stay out there kind of a long time. The reason I don't recommend it, because it's not pleasant. It is not pleasant. And sometimes I find myself in some outermost place. And how did I get here? And I need to be fetched. 
And I just have to tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong when you find yourself out somewhere. To just say, Lord, could you fetch me? I need to be fetched. So if you're asking, can I be separated? Well, you certainly can distance yourself and take journeys that are difficult. And sometimes we have to, to see, man, I don't like it out here. And I thought I did, maybe. I thought saying that was really going to make me feel good. I ate a, cho a hot chocolate chip cookie this morning. And my daughter gave me a revelation. Because she said, Dad, don't, you know, don't do it, Dad. And I said, I know this is not good for me, necessarily. Except I have this thought about foods. And that is, sometimes like a food like sauerkraut upsets me so much that it dumps a bunch of toxins in my body. Whereas a hot chocolate chip cookie brings beautiful, warm feelings of goodness and mercy. And I think, well, I know it's got sugar and white flour and chocolate and all those things that, you know, you don't want to just live on those, but sometimes it brings a sense of well-being and health to your bones. I just, I, that just came to me this morning, so I know it was God. <laughs> because if something just comes to you, you've got to know that it is the Lord. Yeah, it, you might want to be suspicious. So I don't believe that you can be separated from the love of God. I think you can miss out on the fellowship of it. I think you can take yourself to the uttermost part of heaven. But even there, he will fetch you. Yeah, hell too. But outermost heaven seems worse to me. I don't know why. I'm thinking about it. I'm getting nervous. Like, think, well, I don't know where that is. Like... That is somewhere out there. Just, I guess what it is, is so far away from the intention of, of God for my life. Though he lets me go out there to, as a part of my training, Carol. <laughs> because his purpose is to bring me into the condition where I am very hungry for Christ. To be matured. <laughs> to be completed to the fullness of the stature. I get hungry for that. That nature, that life, that ministration of life. And you and I don't know how to get there. God knows how to get us there. So what do you got to do? Every day you get up and you say, Lord, here I am again. And I don't know how to get there. But Lord, I'm getting a greater, deeper sense that that is the destination I want to get to. Could somebody say amen about that? Could you say amen? Yes, in fact, that is the destination. Um, but what I was going to also tell you was that Ariana shared with me that that hot cookie was only going to bring temporary well-being. And I thought, well, she's got me there. That, now, that's the, that's the thing. See? So, so 
when you source yourself out of your natural life, you keep trying that over and over. It's not that, I just have to say, the natural man is not that smart. And if you look over for thousands of years of demonstration of what the natural man can do, they still can't get along. Why? Because of the source. So look around the world. That's not where our hope is. Our hope is the one that called us and promised us to say, follow me in the regeneration. The whole thing. All of it. This is not a partial journey. It's, what did it say? Someone said that. Uh, I think it was Seth Jepson said, Caleb hath followed me fully. There was fully in there. That kind of struck me fully, right? I don't know. I don't know what we have to go through, but man, I forget when I'm in my natural thinking, I forget I'm highly favored. I, we look at stuff and we say, if we were highly favored, this would happen. Oh, really? Mary was highly favored and she went through probably quite a bit of embarrassment. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know the whole story. I don't know all the, the workings, but that wasn't an honorable situation. But she was highly favored because she was bringing a, a life forth that you and I also are carrying. And that God's intention is to bring that life forth. Now, this love of God that we just are reading about that Paul says... He's persuaded about in 1 John. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Why? Because there is growth of that Son of God that is not the same. When I was in seventh grade, I wasn't as small as I am now. Of course, I did have hair too. That made a difference. But a friend came back to visit me that I was best friends with in junior high school. Now the difference between me and the rest of my friends was I stopped growing probably about eighth grade because my mother stopped feeding me. <laughs> no. You think she is? Oh, I forgot. Um, but they kind of moved forward in that growth process. And so I didn't notice it as much in seventh grade and eighth grade. Um, and then I had a friend came back to visit me and I was in, that's when I lived in Keene, we were in college and, and he came back, he was in college and he came to visit me and, and he saw me and he looked at me. And the last time we had hung around really a lot was in junior high, that was really it. And he looked at me up and down, he said, I don't remember you being that small. 
I said, oh, thank you. Nice to see you too. Um, but that's not a big deal, but it, you don't know what the grown-up Christ is going to be like. I mean, you, fully grown up in Christ. I mean, we got some headlines. And Josiah read them the other day, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. We got those kind of headlines, but those are okay. It's just, you know, experientially, what is that going to look like? It does not yet appear what we shall be, right? Um, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And every man that has this hope, what hope? That you're, you're called as a son, you are a son, and he is desirous to grow, up, grow you up into the fullness of that sonship. That's the hope. That is a living hope. That's a real hope. Says um, everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. And the purifying yourself, I believe, it's, it, it means sanctify. That's what the word is. It means to separate, you know, unto. And what the Spirit of God is doing with every single one of us is making us all. We do a lot of things here. We're involved in the businesses and all that stuff. But he's making us a people of a singular destination. And that singular destination is to separate ourselves unto the work of God to grow up Christ in our hearts. That is what this means. If you have this hope. You're separating yourself by the work of the Spirit, purifying yourself even as He is pure. Now, there's, I believe sometimes there's a stop off along the way where, where you become hopeless. And that is when you recognize, it's in Isaiah 57, that you're wearied in the greatness of your own way. And it says, but you don't say there's no hope because you found the life of your own hand. I'm going to turn there because I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, I just want to say, the sort of our own life tells us to keep trying. Keep trying with your own resource. And there is a giving up and there's a laying hold. And the giving up is, Lord, I cannot perform this. That's the giving up. The laying hold is, Lord, my hope is in you. So it says, um, 58, uh, where'd that verse go? 10, 
I'm sorry. I'm in 58. Thou art wearied in the greatness of your own way, yet you didn't say there's no hope. Thou hast found the life of your own hand, therefore you weren't grieved. Um, whom hast thou been afraid of or feared that thou hast lied and not remembered me? Or laid it to thy heart? Look, if you're unhappy, if you are hopeless, that is for to get you <laughs> to say, Lord, I need to be fetched. <laughs> If there's a consistent unhappiness, and I don't, I don't mean, I just mean inside. I don't mean things are going your way, or I don't mean that. I mean inside, where there is a peace that passes understanding. Check the source. And the reason you maybe have gotten there is so that you can say, there is no hope generating out of my human soul. My hope is in you, Lord. Let's see. For thus says, it goes on, I won't read the rest. High and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also. That's contrite and humble spirit to revive those people. And I just got to tell you that if you find yourself in that condition, humble yourself before the Lord. <laughs> humble yourself. What, what does that look like, David? That looks like, Lord, I screwed up again. <laughs> Lord, I found myself outmost. And um, can you help me? His big indictment is, you forgot about me. Jeremiah 18 says, you know, I got to read my Bible more here. This Bible, a paper Bible. I, I read an iPad, and I have a new Bible, and the pages are still... Sticking. Um, 18. Let's see what verse. I wrote it down here. 11, maybe. He says, Now go, therefore, now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the heavens of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, There is no hope. But we'll walk after our own devices. And I just want to say, this is one of the greatest areas where you and I must turn. Because we say, it's no hope. Look at me. I've done it again. I've found myself in the utmost again. That's not the time. <laughs> That's not the time to say there's no hope. It's the time to say there's no hope in me. But it's not the time to say, but it is the time to say that my hope, Lord, is in you. Because you have the capacity to bring forth Christ in me, in its fullness, in his fullness. 
Don't adjust in your heart to say, it's no use. I'm going to keep doing the same things. God, deliver us from that. Do you know you have a Heavenly Father that is willing to fetch you back? You raise your hands, you get on your face, you do whatever those, whatever you need to do, or you do nothing fancy, but just while you're working somewhere during the day, you say, Lord, can you turn me again? I need the influence of your spirit working on me, Lord. Okay, I'm going to close here. There's a bunch of scriptures. Maybe this would be a good assignment for you all. To do a little Bible study. In Psalm 42, 5, 11, Psalm 43, 5, it says, Soul, why are you cast down? Hope in God. That would be okay to tell yourself that. You don't have to say it out loud, you can say it inside. But if you need to say it out loud, go ahead. Often my wife hears me in the bathroom talking. She's worried somebody's in there with me. <laughs> Just working some stuff out. Psalm 146, happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help. Okay, I'm gonna elongate this word because you didn't respond. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help. Whose hope in the Lord is God. That's where his hope is. My hope is not what I've just seen in the mirror. My hope is in you, Lord. Okay, I'm closing. In Romans 15. Verse 13. Now. Okay, now. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is a really simple promise when, and I think it's, I don't know if it's Luke 11 maybe. It's the story about if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Goes through the whole thing. He said, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? You abound in hope because of the influence of Spirit to lift us out of our own soul life so we can say with confidence because of the work of the Spirit, I'm highly favored. I'm highly favored. And my hope is really only in the Lord. Amen.